This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time to turn the spotlight on headlines coming out from the region. Yes, indeed. A Russian oil tanker hit by U.S. sanctions is heading to Malaysia. What should we make of this and what's next? Over in Myanmar, it was reported that children were detained by the junta for their protection during clashes with opposition forces. And finally, in the Philippines, it is signaling a shift to a new normal after two years of COVID restrictions. Let's find out more from Dr. O. A. Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, good morning. How are you? Very good morning to all of you. Uh, we got quite a bit to get through, Doctor. Thanks for helping mm-hmm. us out with yeah. this. Uh, let's start off with that Russian flag crude oil tanker, uh, apparently heading towards Malaysia. It's called Linda, if I'm not wrong. It's also worth noting that Linda is transporting Iranian oil that's transferred from another ship at sea on the 30th of January. So what are we looking at here in terms of this situation? I mean, would they be allowed to anchor in Malaysia? Oh yeah, of course it's gonna put Malaysia uh, in a uh, so-called in a spot because I think during this latest uh, crisis between Ukraine and Russia, most Southeast Asian countries, Malaysian included, I think they did not quite fight themselves with uh, either side. Of course, uh, Singapore and I think to an extent uh, Brunei came out uh, stronger on the side of, uh, for example, condemning Russia and so on. But countries such as uh, Malaysia, I don't think they they adopted such a stance. And therefore, uh, with such a Russian tanker coming to the shores of Malaysia, whether Malaysia is going to let it birth, whether Malaysia is going to uh, let some of its uh, seamen uh, come ashore and so on, that would be uh, looked upon not only by regional countries, but many other countries around the world as some sort of uh, measuring yardstick as to the attitudes of some of these Southeast Asian countries. Yeah. Right. I'm sure a lot of people will be watching this, waiting to see where they stand. Let's uh, move over to Myanmar, Dr. Oh. Media reports mm-hmm. there claim that soldiers had taken a group of civilians, including at least 80 children, hostage for two days during clashes with rebels before they released most of them on Monday. What kind of implications can we expect from this violation of international law, as some have put it? What does it really suggest about the irony of the junta labeling the NUG and the People's Defense Forces as terrorist groups? Well, this was, of course, a very egregious act on the part of the Myanmar junta. And uh, I was uh, sort of thinking and researching hard as to what sort of international law they violated. Mm. I think it's called a crime against humanity, namely uh, to use, for example, the civilians as uh, human shoes. That happened in Iraq uh, during Saddam Hussein's uh, time and so on. And, of course, the junta has long lost its uh, moral authority in terms of ruling Myanmar. So, but, but of course, the events in Ukraine sort of overshadow this uh, happening and thereby, I think, uh, it would buy the Myanmar regime some more time before attention is uh, once again trained on uh, Myanmar. Yeah. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. 
Dr. O, let's uh, turn our attention to Indonesia. Very interesting situation there. You've got the leadership of the Golka Party, the National Mandate Party, and the National Awakening Party expressing a proposal to allow President Joko Widodo to serve beyond the expiration of his term in 2024. First question, how is this being received generally? Is there any opposition to it? Second, legally, can this be done? Well, of course, the the current constitution of uh, Indonesia would give the president only two terms, right? Mm. Mm. So you have to have some sort of constitutional amendment to effectuate this sort of extension to another term and so on. And of course, uh, Jokowi is now very popular in Indonesia because of the various sort of enthusiasm that he could rouse in the Indonesian uh, population. But I mean, it's still two years away and uh, parties such as Goka, they may have a change of heart as they have some of their own more prominent leaders uh, coming to the fore and trying to become presidents themselves. Right, right. Still in Indonesia, Dr. O, recently a magnitude 6.2 earthquake hit the Pasaman Barat Regency in West Sumatra province. It killed 11 residents, left another 400 injured. And of course, it was also reported that tremors were felt in several parts of Singapore. Tell us about the full extent of the damage so far and whether government agencies can be trusted to deal with this in the way that they should. Well, as you mentioned, uh, there were casualties and then there were the extensive property damages. The difficulty, uh, frankly speaking, in countries such as Indonesia, it's often there were people uh, sometimes who were given birth, uh, but they did not register. They were not registered in the official documents and and so on. And sometimes uh, that would bring difficulties as to the total number of casualties and in Indonesia's case as so far I think it's uh, fortunate that uh, it was not like some of those uh, previous natural disasters whereby it triggered for example tsunami and so on even though tremors were felt as far as Malaysia and Singapore. Yeah. Mm. Dr. O, final question. And for this, we turn our attention to the Philippines where their task force against COVID-19 announced over the weekend that Metro Manila will be under alert level one. I believe this started yesterday. So they've got this four-level system and I think alert one is is the lowest level, the least restrictive. Uh, Dr. O, so does this mean everything goes back to normal? How? I mean, it's only been a day. How is this being received? Well, I think uh, in the Philippines, as with uh, almost any other country in the world, you have to learn to so-called uh, live with uh, COVID, right? Yeah. We have to do so in uh, Singapore, in Malaysia, and of course nowadays in uh, the Philippines. If you ask me whether it means COVID situation has fully recovered, of course it does not mean so. But you have to uh, somehow live with the COVID coronavirus and in the process try to revive your economy so that uh, your people could make a living. And let us not forget the Philippines has its uh, presidential election coming in, I think, um, around two months. Yeah.
Right. right. Of course, it's going to be one of those approaches, I guess, where you try it, see how it goes, and then perhaps pull back Ooh. at some point again. <laughs> Exciting stuff <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Dr. O.A. San, a senior fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. You stay safe, Dr. O. Thank you. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.